0: This episode of Dopey is brought to you by Oro Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu, in Silver Lake, in West Los Angeles, created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Jared, and Bob to create a rehab that treats addicts and alcoholics with compassion and connection rather than control. They have decades and decades and decades of experience in treating addiction, alcoholism, and co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They make sure that when you're kicking, your detox is as comfortable as possible, which is so good, and they have amenities you wouldn't believe, from equine therapy to surfing to the, of course, potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. The best thing about Oro is that they make sure that you're treated like a person which is the best thing. And I've had friends who have been there who all vouch for it. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I highly suggest going to Oro. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at SoberLink. As we all know, addiction is a serious issue that needs to be addressed. Nearly 15 million people in the U.S. have an alcohol use disorder. That's alcohol only, not other drugs. Only 10% of those people get treatment. This can be attributed to the stigma that surrounds addiction and how people don't want to talk about it. Soberlink supports the no-judgment zone that is Dopey and strives to erase the stigma of alcohol addiction. Their remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over 500,000 people to be more accountable in their sobriety. The Dopey podcast was started with open and honest conversations about addiction and recovery, and Soberlink encourages this to help rebuild trust and maintain sobriety. We've teamed up with Soberlink to create a healthy habits guide for those in recovery. Visit www.soberlink.com to download that healthy habits guide. And if you or someone you know can benefit from accountability for alcohol recovery, you'll also find a form on that page to sign up for a $50 off promo code exclusive to the people in the Dopey Nation. So Dopey Nation, let Soberlink help you to stay off of the sauce. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our great friends at Sober Buddy. I know I've talked to you guys about Sober Buddy in the past and how good the app is and how I think you guys should check the Sober Buddy app out. But what I want to tell you today is that Sober Buddy has just opened up a crowdfunding campaign that allows you to own a piece of the company, which is super cool. You help them raise the money they need, and they give you shares. Win-win. You can purchase shares in the REG CF offering and raise capital for future expansion. You can find the link to their campaign on my website, dopeypodcast.com, or on their website, yoursoberbuddy.com. Sober Buddy has already helped over 30,000 people on their sober journey, and this is your chance to help them get their app out to even more people. So check it out. Give them some love to support a product that helps people to achieve sobriety, which is what we're all about. And sign up for their app so you can have your own sober buddy. I just want to tell you guys about my friend Nat's podcast. It's called Recovery in the Middle Ages. It is a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life. Listen as they discuss Super important issues around recovery and the recovery community, including 12-step, the newest medical research, and the talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings, if the neighbors only knew. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, and middleagesrecovery.com. That is middleagesrecovery.com. Enough with the ads. Here is the Dopey Christmas Show. Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave. And Merry Christmas. And welcome to the Merry Christmas Dopey episode. And uh, I love Christmas. I'm, I'm, as you guys know, I'm the Jew that loves Christmas. I love the magic and the romance and the good times and the idea that on Christmas, good shit finds a way. And I, I actually think that is how it is all the time. But I think it's concentrated in December because everybody else is sharing that kind of optimistic point of view. I just got a, a message in the Dopey Nation that I want to read. Linda actually just sent it to me, and it's it's from a, a woman in the Dopey Nation named Susie, and she says, 12 years ago, I remember spending all of the money I had on crack. I didn't even buy my kids' Christmas presents that year. As the young dealer counted the money I handed him, he said, I'm going straight to the, ma- to the mall to buy my grandma's Christmas present. I remember thinking how totally I'd... How totally fucked that situation was. I was delusional to the point that I told myself if my kids knew how good this shit makes me feel, they'd understand. I guess I became suicidal. I don't remember, but came to laying, but I came to laying in a fetal position on a bed on the psych ward. I opened my eyes and my three beautiful, loving, precious kids were there staring at me with disappointment and fear in their eyes. Tomorrow is my 12th year of being clean and sober, and I am not taking that for granted. I did what I had to do, surrender and listen to the people who had clean time under their belts. Tomorrow I get to spend time with my kids and the four darling grandkids they've had in the last seven years. I bought presents for every, everyone. Never do I ever want to feel like I did back then. Thank you, Dave and Dopey Nation. You are an instrumental part of my recovery. My wish for all of you is to spend this holiday with the people you love. It just doesn't get better than that. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. And what a beautiful uh, post that was. That was in the Dopey Nation on Facebook, and that's Susie, and congratulations, Susie. And thank you for setting the stage for a, a very dopey Christmas because, like, that's the deal. If, if you're if you're an addict, not everybody who listens to Dopey is an addict, but if you're an addict, you know how bad it can get. And if you're in recovery, you know that you can turn it around. So, I mean, that is amazing. And it's it's in that kind of double-sided reality that I have to share this horrible news that uh, a member of the Dopey extended family, this guy named Jason, died last week. And we don't know if he died of a drug overdose or what, but he was 41 years old. He was a um, really sweet and smart guy. He came on the show when Chris was alive in episode 99, which many of you might remember as even gayer than the gayest episode of Dopey. And Jason was awesome, brilliant, funny. And uh, we just want to offer his family uh, you know, a heartfelt condolence. And we want everyone to know that... People with our affliction have the potential of dying from the affliction because these chemicals are so deadly. So I want everyone to be careful, especially during Christmas, because you don't want your family to find you at this point. You know, it's too, it's too precious a time and it's too horrible uh, a consequence. I actually got an email from one of my favorite dopes in the Dopey Nation, the professor, Sarah Buck Dowd, and it cracked me up, so I'm gonna read it to you. She teaches a class called uh, Drugs and Crime, and she has her students listen to Dopey, which I love and also just wonder what the fuck that class is like. Anyway, this is what she wrote me. She wrote, "'Hello, David, this is what a college student said "'about the podcast. "'I thought you would like to know. "'I don't know why they keep calling you Doug. "'Happy holidays, Sarah.'" And this is in response to Professor Dowd's drug and crime class on Dopey. As someone who has lost someone to addiction, the most impactful thing I learned from this class is there is only so much one can do to help a loved one who is an addict. I realized this when one of our class assignments was to listen to the Dopey podcast. Intently, I listened to the banter between Chris and Doug as they recounted their crazy drug stories. Of course I laughed even when they brought their addict friend onto the podcast. And I laughed until the podcast took a dark and surprising turn. Never did I think Chris, the podcast co-host, who had seemingly been sober for years, would die from an overdose. The worst part is that the overdose was triggered by Chris's injury in which he had to take medication. Not only was his death unexpected and heart-wrenching, but I truly felt bad for Doug. Even though Doug had his suspicions that Chris had relapsed, he could not say anything without the risk of jeopardizing their friendship. Not only did I learn the dangers of addiction from this podcast, I also learned that even people that you think you know the most may be fighting addiction. I really appreciate hearing from the professor, and I appreciate hearing from uh, your students, but please make sure they know my name. That would be nice if they knew my name. But the guy's point is well taken, because... You don't know where someone else is if they're relapsing, if they're not relapsing, what's going on. We can't be expected to know what's going on in someone's head who's struggling. And and that's why like, and that's why this whole thing is so frustrating because I can tell, like if somebody's out there who's listening is using, I could be like, you need to tell somebody because you might die and it will save your life. But they don't want to tell anybody. I never wanted to tell anybody. It's a tough position. But let's just do our best to to talk to each other and, you know, do our best to be as honest as we can and trust people. And now let's get to some messages of Christmas love from the Dopey Nation. And here she is, the professor I always wanted, Professor Buck Dowd.
1: Hey, 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 y'all. Merry holidays to the Dopey Nation and my friend Dave. This is Sarah Bugdow calling. Um, Dave calls me professor. I am calling from Milledgeville, Georgia, which is home to the largest state mental hospital. Um, My extended gratitude goes out to all those in the dopey Zoom rooms and my buddies in there. I know I wouldn't be here without you and I wouldn't want to be here without you. I want... All the dopes out there um, to have a beautiful holiday season filled with joy and peace. Thank you for giving me a million giggles. Um,
2: (laughs) Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles for Chris. Dopey Nation, what's up? What's up, Dave? This is Stephanie in Colorado, a.k.a. Crystal Steph, a.k.a. Steph Amphetamine. Shout out to Butchie for that. Um, You know, I wish I had a really hilarious, dopey Christmas story to share with everyone because I love laughter and laughing is my favorite. But when I was using, uh, the holidays were some of the darkest and loneliest times that I had, Um, just really isolated. I do remember a couple different Christmases asking my mom for money so that I could buy presents for my brother and my dad. And then I would either show up empty-handed or not at all um, to their house on Christmas because obviously I'd spent the money on drugs. So today, um, that's not the case. I have presents for my family. I have more freedom um, and just joy in my life today than I ever thought was possible for me at all. I thought I had really ruined it for myself. Um, But that's not true. And through the magic of Dave and Chris, I got clean and I stay clean today with the love and the support and the connection that I find in the like-minded people of the Dopey Nation. And there's so many, I would name the people individually, but there's just too many. And it's crazy because it's such a change from the loneliness and the misery that I was in before. Um, There's too many people for me to name. And that's a fucking miracle. But uh, real quick, before I go, I have to shout out for Dopey Zoom. There is a marathon this weekend for Christmas, all day Christmas Eve, all day Christmas Day. The Zoom ID is 804-300-586. Password is toodles. And there's nothing that we love more um, than new faces and new friends in Zoom. So I hope to see everyone there. And Merry Christmas, Dopey Nation. Stay strong. And fucking toodles for Chris. Bye.
3: Hello Dave, hello Dobie Nation, it's Mick here, here's a Dobie Christmas story for you. About um, five years ago I relapsed on pharmaceutical opiates here in New Zealand, and I knew my supply was not permanent, it was going to run out eventually, so I'd planted in my mother's property, I'd planted a load of opium poppies, I'd bought the seeds from um, overseas anyway, got them shipped, planted them, I didn't think the fucking things were going to grow, I had grown them before and use them to make poppy tea and sort of a homemade laudanum. But uh, anyway, this was... uh, So I'm getting close to Christmas five years ago, and um, my supply of drugs is running out, and my mum phones me up and says, um, oh, do you remember those flowers you planted in my garden? They're going mental. I was like, oh, fuck! thank God, thank God. So my Christmas basically then consisted of me driving the 120-odd-mile one-way trip from my house... (laughs) to my mum and dad's house every two or three days, harvesting the pods off these poppies and then driving back, and then having to come up with these increasingly bizarre and obscure excuses to my partner and daughter as to why I was disappearing for four hours every three days over Christmas. So uh, I've just realised this story is making me look like a bit of a cunt. But um, anyway, it's still a dopey Christmas story. That was my fucking Christmas. Hopefully it's better this year. I hope everyone out there in the nation has a fucking Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris.
0: I love hearing from the international community of dopes, whether they be from Colorado, Georgia, or New Zealand by way of England. And fucking Mick Popham always comes with that fucking dopey shit. Like, it's never occurred to me that I could plant poppy seeds to avoid being sick, let alone setting up some sort of like artisanal laudanum fucking manufacturing facility. So I applaud you, Mick Popham. And, uh, and Stephanie Roberts, who is like a pillar of the, the Dopey Nation Facebook community, who's like a pillar of the Dopey Nation Zooms. There's like 25 Zoom meetings a week. So I think if you guys like are nervous about going to a 12-step meeting and you want to be around some dopes, check out the Dopey Zoom. There's a marathon right now, which is just incredible to me. I never could have imagined like when Chris and I started the show that something like... Dopey Nation Zoom would exist. And, and it's really there for you guys. So check it out. I'm going to post the information on Instagram and Facebook. Now, I'm very excited about our first guest on the show. He's somebody I've wanted to record for the show for a long time. He's a guy I know from my meeting out here. He's a classic Long Island character. He's one of the, the many Long Islanders I've met who can successfully rhyme vodka, soba, drinker, and administrator and house wrecker. His name is Ray. He's like a pillar of the community. Like every day I see Ray showing up with another dude that he drives to the meeting, or he's doing like service, answering the phones at the at the 12 step hotline call-in thing. He always says a few things. One of the things he always says when he shares is he says, I'm an alcoholic and Ray is my problem. And another thing he always says is that he's a satisfied customer of Alcoholics Anonymous, which I love hearing both of those things because it's so obvious. He's also told so many stories at these meetings about tripping on acid and smoking coke and smoking crack. I just figured he would be a very, very appropriate and special guest for the show. Now, in Long Island, uh, clamming is a big deal because we're on the Great South Bay. And Ray was a professional fisherman he was a clamor. His name is Ray, which is why they call him Ray the Clammer. So here he is. All right. Merry Christmas, Dopey Nation. I'm sitting with Ray the Clammer outside the Cherry Avenue Dog Park in Sayville, Long Island. Welcome to the Christmas Dopey episode, Ray. Welcome. Good morning, guys. Yep, we're at the dog park.
4: My dog Hudson is running around. He's a new rescue dog that came from Texas. Where in Texas? I uh, don't really know. I rescued him from a uh, rescue place out in Riverhead, uh, Long Island, called Kent Rescue. It's an animal shelter. They go to different states down south to kill shelters and rescue dogs and bring them back to New Yorkers. New York is a no-kill state, so they won't kill dogs in uh, shelters.
0: Of all the horrible dogs at our meeting, Ray has the nicest dog, I would say. I'd say one of the, one of the nicest dogs at our meeting. So I'm, I'm happy to be here with you and to watch... Hudson Play, but it is Christmas time in Eastern Long Island, and I know you used to be Santa. Uh, yeah, I still do
4: Santa. I'll be doing it this Thursday. Where are you going to do it? Uh, I usually do it at St. Charles Hospital. So you go to the detoxes, Santa? I go to the detox centers. Unfortunately, right now with what's going on with the COVID, it's closed down for a little while. They won't let visitors in. So, But I'll go to a few friends' houses that have small kids, and I have one of my sponsees as an elf, my sponsee Mike. Nice. We, we drive around and we uh, we be Santa. It's wonderful. I love it. I get more out of it than the people that I go see.
0: When I love you're it. doing Santa at St. Charles, you're going to the kids or you're going to the junk?
4: No, no, no. I go to the rehab and so I hand out they, candy canes. And
0: what do they say? They're happy you're there? Uh,
4: yeah, I just say, don't drink and go to meetings. <laughs> they oh, all oh, laugh, oh, oh,
0: oh, you know. <laughs> that's awesome, though. And, and uh. And when you were a kid, how how important was Christmas
4: to you? Christmas was very important. I've always been a big Christmas guy, always. My mother was a big Christmas guy. She always had little Santa knickknacks all over, tchotchkes all over the house of Santa. And uh, my one sister-in-law was a huge Christmas person. We always had dinner over there as I got to be a teenager and further on. My first wife was a big Christmas person. So Christmas has always been a big part of my life.
0: I'm a Jewish person and I grew up, you know, in a Jewish home in in New York City, but I always love Christmas. I love the schmaltz of Christmas. I love the idea that at Christmas you can be your best self and you can be loving and things can be good. And I find that where we live on Eastern Long Island, it's very 50s-ish. It feels like TV in the 50s, probably because a lot of the TV shows were... Based out of New York and Italian families or Irish families that were kind of like these families out right, here, right? Right. Isn't doesn't it have a little '50s feeling out here? Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you know people get into it though on Long Island they
4: decorate their homes big time, big time. I mean there's uh, there's a home right down the street here on Johnson Avenue that's incredible. Yeah. If you drive with by the countdown. Night. Yes, exactly. They have a countdown every day till Christmas. But if you go out at night and drive to different neighborhoods in this you know mid Suffolk county area there's incredible homes that are decorated so they go big time they have Jones Beach where they have a whole light show they have
0: Smith Point We Lace. went to Smith Point and we fed the deer with carrots out of a car
4: Okay yeah yeah we used to do that all the time
0: And the thing that I that that strikes me as I've been thinking about this episode okay, <laughs> The thing that strikes me as I think about this episode is like when we're kids Christmas is innocent and beautiful and then when we start using it's still that way. Maybe we could take a walk and get stoned in the middle of Christmas. Like, when you're still, like, kind of good before you're all fucking strung out or before you're in real active addiction. You remember, like... I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to my friends, and we'd be celebrating Christmas, and then maybe we'd disappear and smoke hash or, or smoke weed in the stairwell. Like, that was before I became a, a total junkie. Do you remember, like, one foot in one foot out Christmases? Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember, uh...
4: I was a big weed smoker for many years, going to my parents' house when I left the house. You know, I was living somewhere else and getting high on the ride, you know, and all my nephews, I never had children, but all my nephews and nieces would be there. And, you know, I was sort of in Christmas, and I was sort of out of Christmas. You know, I was looking... To have some fun there with them and play toys with them, but then looking to get the hell out of there and get high again. When you You can pull it off a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I could walk down the street, you know, my old neighborhood and smoke a joint. You know, but uh, so it didn't mean as much. It didn't have that same, like Dave just said, that same innocent feeling of Christmas that I always loved. And today I have that feeling back,
0: which is another gift of sobriety. Well, give us like... You, th- give us the worst Christmas, and give us a couple Christmases leading up to the worst Christmas. Okay, so
4: I, when I left Long Island, I went to school in Buffalo, and my wife got a job with, with the uh, post office in Buffalo. She used to work nights, and she was working <laughs> one Christmas Eve, and of course I went out with friends I had made up there through college and playing softball, and I got so drunk, I lost, I lost them. We were in some bar in downtown <laughs> Buffalo, and the next thing I wake up and am it's like six o'clock in the morning. The sun's up and I'm sleeping behind the bar. Right. So and then I had, I, had, I had to walk home, you know, a couple of miles. And just as I got home, my wife was getting home from work. She had worked the overnight shift. And just that look of like you're you're a fucking loser. You ruined Christmas. You ruined Christmas. Now we were going to go to her friend's house from the post office, and I'm a mess. And I told her to go, and I slept all day. That was the lead-up to, and
0: some Christmases were okay, even when I was drinking, drugging, and some weren't okay. Now, as a cocaine addict, did the white Christmas thing, was that ever a thing where you got a lot of Coke for Christmas and you're like, oh, it's a really white Christmas because you had all the Coke or anything? Well,
4: when I was sniffing Coke, before I started smoking
0: Coke, I had a couple of good Christmases.
4: But as soon as I started smoking Coke, then I didn't have any good Christmases. Because I was so consumed just with getting high all the time, 24-7. You know, I didn't show up for Christmas. Families, all of that, brothers, parents. My parents had already moved to Florida. So uh, <clears throat> I, didn't ha- I didn't see them usually during Christmas unless they came up here and were staying with my brother. But uh, I was like a no-show for a lot of Christmases.
0: A no-show Ray.
4: No-show Ray. That was my, my brother's call. Oh, you promise you're coming, you never show. So I had good intentions, but good intentions get you nowhere.
0: Tell us that that horrible Christmas story. It was the Christmas of 1986,
4: it must have been. I was uh, consumed with freebase, crack, whatever you want to call it. Then it became crack. And I was smoking for days with my friends in the kitchen of the uh, house I rented. My wife was, my fiance was working. I was uh, up. For like three days, she came home Christmas Eve from work, wanted to go shopping, and we had run out of coke, and I just said, you go, When uh, I'll sleep it off, and we'll go to my brother's tomorrow. But when tomorrow came, I was filled with shame, guilt, all of that feelings you get after you fucked up, and I said, you go, I can't go. Just bring the presents to everybody. So I sent her by herself to my family's Christmas and I didn't show up. That was probably the worst Christmas I've ever had.
0: And then, like, you know, and, and you guys will hear Ray's story in the bonus Ray the Clamor episode, but you got sober, the first time you got sober was kind of just right before Christmas. Do you remember that first Christmas when you got back to Long Island?
4: Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I was living back where my apartment was. That was Christmas of 87. I I had met my sponsor You know, I had started in Narcotics Anonymous, but I met somebody in AA who I asked to be my sponsor. Got a group, and I think I spent Christmas Eve at his family's house. And then uh, Christmas Day, I was at my brother's in Westbury. I was back. I had a car. I was driving again. And uh, I don't remember all the details, but I know I was sober, and I showed up. So that was two big differences than the Christ- the ten or so Christmases before that.
0: And in all these years that Christmas has come around, I know you like organize marathons and, and you do that kind of stuff. Like what kind of service uh like who are you helping on Christmas and like what is Christmas now for you like? Christmas now is yeah, we did we started
4: a marathon over at the the VFW in East Patrick, about four of us, my sponsor who was a member of that post, a Vietnam veteran. And we had marathons for about 12 or 13 years there. We were running from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., meetings every hour. People would come and stay who just got out of detoxes and rehabs all night. People bought food. You had speakers all night. You had sharing. It was great. And today, my Christmases are, I've been doing, my sponsor had done Santa Claus during that period. And when he passed, before he passed away, he gave me a Santa suit. And I promised them that I would be of service with that suit. So I've been going to a couple of rehabs, a couple of detoxes, a couple of houses where people in the program have little ones. And uh, it's the most wonderful feeling to me. The real feeling of Christmas is back in my heart today.
0: Right. And, I, and also all that stuff with the marathons and people are eating and people are showing up like we were when we were totally fucked and it's totally alien for them and you get to have that kid Christmas in your heart because you know you're actually really doing the right thing and you're really spreading love and that's amazing.
4: We ha- I have a great story. Good. I went,
0: I went to Seattle
4: to the International Convention in 1991. And uh, after I had come out of rehab, because I had relapsed again, went to rehab, my sponsor paid for me, my sponsor Vince. So at that point, there was a gentleman in the groups in my area named Jack Ramirez. I'll give you his last name, because he lived across the street from me. And he would tell my parents, I have a seat waiting for your son. One day he'll show up here. And Jack was sober about 20, 30 years, and he was diagnosed with cancer. So my sponsor came up with the idea of getting a white T-shirt, and when we were at the international convention in Seattle, we had people from all over the world sign it, covered with signatures of people from France, you know, all over the world, because there's people. An AA convention has workshops and stuff, and people from all over the world come. There were 55,000 people at the opening ceremony in Seattle. So when we got back, Jack had really got bad. He was in bad shape. He was in hospice at his house right across the street from where I grew up in Bellport. And we were trying to get over there. We were calling his wife, Edith, and uh, he was too sick. We couldn't come, the nurse. And we were trying to get over there and give it to him. But before we could get over there, he expired. So the next marathon, which was the Christmas of 91, we brought that T-shirt. We gave it to Edith, and when at the wake, she had it in the casket, the the T-shirt with all the stuff. So... When the services were all over, she said, I wanted to give this back to you guys. So maybe you could give it to somebody. So when we had the marathon, every meeting, my sponsor would have somebody new put the T-shirt on and wear it. So I thought it was a really wonderful thing. And that person would be filled with, like, the Christmas, gratitude. The Christmas spirit. Christmas recovery spirit. spirit. That's Christmas awesome. recovery spirit. Awesome. So it was a great story. I don't know where that T-shirt is today. Maybe because my, my sponsor passed since then. But, uh, yeah, it was a great story, and Jack was a wonderful guy.
0: The idea of, of Christmas being eternal, you know, and it's like the same kind of every year in that it's it's this hope that we can be the best kind of versions of ourselves, and cool. Even if you're Jewish or Muslim or Hindu in America, you can be loving to each other for Christmas. And it's that Christmas miracle or whatever. When you've been around addiction and recovery as long as you have, and you've seen so many different iterations of drugs and 12 step and other kind of means, have you noticed a change or does once you're in, in the shit or once you're in the recovery, is it all the same?
4: No, I I notice it all the time. I always see the newcomers who come who are freshly out of rehab or detox and stuff, and I can see it in their eyes. I look right in their eyes. And my friend Tommy Hart, who, God rest his soul, passed away recently from my home group, would always say, just treat somebody the way you want to be treated. You know, the universal thing. Treat somebody excuse me, the way you want to be treated, and you'll do okay here. He was a real, Tommy was a real character.
0: He was sober 51 years. Well, Ray, I appreciate you meeting me so early in the morning and telling us so much good shit. And I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. All that other stuff, David. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Ray. So that was Ray. And um, expect to hear more from Ray coming up. I actually just recorded his story and it is fucking it is dopey. And anybody that cultivates that much time and is still so, like, you know, connected to their fucked-up roots, but also so connected to their recovery, it's just, I don't know, it, it it it's an inspiration to me to see somebody who's so connected and still wants to connect even more. And it's because he has fun. He loves having fun, and he loves, like, hanging out with his people. And um, so it was a treat to have him on the show. It's a very... Happy that worked out. And now, from fucking Eastern Long Island, from Patchogue, New York, we go across the Atlantic, back to one of the most uh, most dynamic meme makers in the business. Her name is Lowe's. Her page is Brutal Recovery. She's from Scotland, not from Ireland. And she has COVID. So if you can reach out to Lowe's, please wish her well. I asked her to tell a quick dopey Christmas story. And she definitely delivered. And then after Lowe's, it's the legendary Dan Ali Sr. from the Movie Seller podcast. But here she is, straight from Scotland, working retail, Lowe's.
5: So I worked in retail over the Christmas period for many years back in the madness. And famously, this was my psych ward season. This was my uh, party season, not like I needed an excuse. And I would show up to work just absolutely mangled, We had a Christmas uh, shopper, a secret shopper come in to kind of assess the customer service of the shop. And we failed that year because I was such a fucking state. Um, That was also the year that I was sick on a customer while processing a refund, uh, because I was so hungover. Um, That did not get me sacked, but it did mean that I would go home that Christmas. And we used to play this game in the shop, like how many parents we could get to tell us that we ruined their child's Christmas. Uh, and I won uh, and I'm pretty sure I also ruined my family's Christmas uh, because I came back and I was just, you know, I has been really controlling about, you know, the organization of things, even though I was such a mess myself. And then when it came to the actual dinner, I'm from an enormous family, about 42 people. Um, I was so overwhelmed that I just robbed the pill cabinet and went to sleep. Happy Christmas, Dopey Nation. I hope it's a good one.
6: Yo, Dave, what's up? This is Dan. Dan Ollie Sr., uh, calling from Maine to wish you a Merry Christmas. Wish the Dopey Nation a Merry Christmas. I'm fucking at Target trying to get stocking stuffers for my kids and shit. And uh, it's a madhouse here, man. But I got Dopey in my earbuds, and I'm just fucking tuning all the rest of this shit out. So I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope the rest of the Dopey Nation has a Merry Christmas. And I hope everybody's doing well And like being smart and safe Whatever the fuck it is you're doing And ultimately I just hope that everybody's happy and content And if you're not Like do something about it I guess Anyway uh, Love the show Love the Dopey Nation Keep it going man Can't wait to see what 2022 2022 That's crazy man Can't wait to see what happens then all right, stay strong Dopey Nation, fucking toodles for Chris.
0: I really love the international flavor of the Dopey Nation, especially the Scottish accent and uh, and Dan's fucking alcoholic Maine shenanigans. And one thing that it, it's reminding me of is like, they have this this tradition in my family and Linda's family. They are obsessed with stocking stuffers and everyone who comes to Linda's mom's Christmas has to bring Three stocking stuffers, and Linda's parents are like these. They think of themselves as like the practical jokesters, and they buy each other like fake plastic shit and like stupid glasses, (laughs) just like the dumbest shit. And they all have to, they all wear Christmas hats. And my dad comes, and and me and my dad refuse to wear the hats. And my dad like looks at all this garbage, and he's just like, my dad's very, very Scroogey in these scenarios. But I'm sure I've told the story on Dopey a million times. It's my, it's like my favorite Dopey Christmas story. Where the first time I came out to Linda's family for Christmas, we went to her friend Carol's house, and I went into Carol's medicine chest and and found Vicodin and Clonopin, and it was like the greatest Christmas of my life. And, and this is the first year because of COVID, we're not going back to Carol's and every year I go back to Carol's just to make sure she still has good drugs, but I stopped stealing them. This is not behavior that I recommend to anyone just to be clear. It's just a, an old stupid thing. Coming up next is not an old stupid thing. It's our friend, Erin Carr. She is an author and an unlicensed advice giver and great friend of the show. And here she is. So, but what I'm really interested in this episode is Christmas. When I was a kid, even as a Jew, I loved Christmas. I loved Christmas specials. Me I too. loved the feeling of Christmas. Fucking bells ringing, sleigh bells ringing. Are you listening? All that f- romance. You know, right. the romance of Christmas is very beautiful. The music and the lights and the feeling of love and and goodness and so when we're kids like that's a thing and then as drug addicts at some point it changes right Mm -hmm. and we become kind of high at christmas and it's Mm -hmm. still like kind of you have one foot in and one foot out and then when you're really bad you're just fucking you fuck up christmas so i want to know your experience around around that
7: oh yeah i have a good story okay uh, and I didn't go into real depth on this in the book. Um, I, I mention it, but I don't go into depth. So this was like my big heroin crack relapse of the year 2000. Um, I had, had been on like a run for a couple of months. It was we're coming up on Christmas. I was scheduled wait, 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 to wait. leave. Before,
0: before, before yeah. we get to the really bad one, yeah. what about the, the kind of before they were bad? When you're just kind oh, of getting high. And you're getting high with the family. Like, you're dipping out, getting high, coming back, that kind of thing. Oh, uh,
7: I mean, for me, that was mostly, like, I would take, like, a couple pills. Well, what was <laughs> what was good often is that if we went to somebody's house, like, a relative's house, I would always, like, look in their medicine cabinet. And, like, if they had Vicodin, Vicodin was, like, what I would find the most then. Like, that was the most common, like, it would be some leftover bottle. And I I wouldn't take the whole bottle. I'd take one and, you know.
0: It's like your Christmas gift a lot more. from that person. Yeah. <laughs>
7: But, um, yeah, and then I think that, you know, probably when I first started with heroin, I think there was one Christmas that I had brought it home um, to do because in my early using days, I was, like, only using at my boyfriend's house. But that one bad Christmas, I brought it home. And, yeah, I mean, I think it was always sort of like – I was never that fucked up on Christmas. I would try and just kind of, like, maintain. And I often, in my years of relapsing – I was almost always sober at Christmas. For some reason, there was like a cyclical thing where I would kick right before my birthday in November. And then I'd stay sober until about like January, February, and then I'd relapse again.
0: So Christmas was kind of like white knuckle. I'm dreaming of a white knuckle Christmas.
7: Well, and a lot of that time I was pretending I had never relapsed. So I was still like going to 12-step meetings and stuff like oh it all of it just we'll pretend this never happened
0: <laughs> so tell us the bad one
7: okay so year 2000 i'm with this boyfriend who was a musician that was like still getting royalty checks so we'd like go from like having money to not having was it, money was it was and... it slash yeah it's totally slash no <laughs> you know who it is but i don't use his name in the book so I, whatever it's not even important but um we had Chris, Christmas Eve that year, there was like a sweep in downtown. Our regular drug dealer was not going to be around. We knew this. And we had bought in advance, but of course ran out. And we went to go score downtown. This is in LA. And nobody was out. Like they had busted a bunch of people or they'd swept the neighborhood or whatever, went to all the usual spots. The only thing we could get was crack from our crack dealer we would go to his apartment to get it so we're out of dope we stay up all night smoking crack and and (laughs) picture this is that i'm in like my craziest relapse like this was the worst worst relapse and i but i still would was like wrapping christmas presents and i remember i had this like martha stewart christmas magazine with like all these like like inventive ways to like wrap christmas gifts with like these little circle stickers and whatever. I thought I was like, I was like some cracked out Martha Stewart, like smoking crack and like making the Christmas presents look really pretty.
0: I bet they look so good though.
7: They did. They did. Uh, You're meticulous like that. I was, I was, I mean, you know, I always tried to keep up appearances. So we stay up all night smoking crack and we have to go to my uncle's house the next day. And, To see my mom and whatever. Everybody was going to my uncle's house. And we're dope sick. We've been up all night smoking crack. I felt horrible because by the time it was like early morning, we were sick. And my boyfriend like went to try and score, like couldn't score. And then we got a hold of our dealer and she's like, I can meet you, but I can't meet you until tonight. So at least there was sort of like the solace of being able to reach her at some point. But she's like, it might be late, like 10 o'clock. And I was, just like dying. So we go to my uncle's house. I told everybody that I was sick, that I had the, like maybe I was coming down with the flu and I went into like their like little, his office and like got on the couch under a blanket. I don't know what my boyfriend was doing. I maybe he didn't even, now I don't even remember, maybe he didn't even come with me to, on Christmas day. He may have stayed home trying to score. Then we get back and then our dealer's like, we no, I can't meet with you tonight. So it's Christmas, the neighborhood, we go downtown, finally finally found you
0: were in withdrawal or no
7: oh full like now it had been almost 24 hours since i've used so we're in i'm like in bad bad shape and he had gotten more crack he'd like smoke crack through like heroin withdrawal which was not appealing to me
0: that (laughs) was a thing though for people that was a whole thing for people and I, i could not i would just I would not make it, but keep going, we, please keep Well,
7: going. we tried to do that and then I was like, oh no, I'm just gonna jump off the roof. So we go and we finally find like one, there's all different sorts of characters in downtown LA. it wasn't exactly downtown, near downtown where they would sort of like, you'd go find drugs from people. And one of them were these, these I, we called them the grandmas. They were these Mexican older ladies who had a tamale stand. Mm. Well, they, it was like a taco stand and then they'd sell tamales like at the holidays. And they were out that night and, but you could also buy heroin there. Their heroin oh, was amazing. like really, but their heroin was real shitty. It was like, but shitty, who cares? Cause there, you right?
0: can get tamales when you score. Yeah. And especially if you're <laughs> sick, if you're yeah. sick and you can do the dope and then you have a tamale that, I mean, I'm hungry right oh, no. now. Just I
7: about never it. wanted to eat when I was on dope. Oh, I wanted something sweet. I never, like, I just didn't eat. So I, so we got like, we got well enough. And then get on a plane the next day to go to Rhode Island to see my dad with this shitty dope. I had a dealer in Rhode Island. We, we arrived the day after Christmas. I'm like, you know, paging him, paging him. He's not answering.
0: In Rhode Island. We go
7: in Rhode Island. Hold on hold, on, hold on, hold
0: on. Hold on. Yeah. So you, get, you score the tar from the grandmas. You don't buy yeah. any tamales. You shoot no. the tar and then you're like, on our way to Rhode Island, they'll have powder dope there.
7: We smoked it. Because this was, I had stopped after I had that bad overdose, I stopped using needles and my boyfriend never used a needle. So we, we got enough to like, keep us like sort of well enough to get to Rhode Island. So finally, like we're desperate. We'd been there a day and we go and drive to the projects. There was like a market outside the projects where this guy would deal and I'm like, somebody's got to know where he is. So we go asking around, and this kid is there and, like, asked me, like, who are you looking for? And I was like, Whitey. That was the guy's name. And he's like, Whitey's dead. And he's like, there were candles, like, all around the store. He'd gotten shot on Christmas Eve and died. And and he's like, what do you need? And we told him. And the kid was, like, fucking 12 years old, which is, like, you know the story. It was heartbreaking. Uh, I felt... Like uh, say that I felt like a shitty person in that moment is an understatement. It was, it was just the bleakest of the bleak. But like I would be just so
0: excited that this. What was the kid's name? Christopher. I would be so excited that Christopher could hook it up. I'd be. I'd feel bad for Whitey, and I'd feel bad for for you know probably scoring from a twelve year old kid. Yeah. But in those moments, I. I mean, like. I don't know, like I went to a meeting this morning and and it was an all about gratitude meeting and and I'm still kind of like resistant to just even the idea of gratitude here and Mm -hmm. there, like sometimes it's foreign to me. But when you tell me a story about withdrawal, Mm. the profound gratitude that I felt for somebody who had... Uh, drugs and gave them to me like I'm I'm all excited that Christopher existed for you in that yeah
7: oh trust me it like made it I mean I was thrilled you know and it was decent dope so you know that was like it was just that was in the middle I still had a couple more months to go It wasn't until mid-February that this relapse came to a grinding halt but like that was every time like I think of I, I always think of that on on like holidays and I'm like no matter like what's going like Like, if we get COVID right now or whatever, like, whatever happens, like, it's not gonna feel that shitty. You know what I mean? Like, that sometimes, and that sometimes that's as far as my gratitude can go when there's like shit going on. Although, I will say this because you brought up gratitude. I think that with gratitude, there's like this confusion that like you should feel grateful and like erase everything else. And I don't think that's the way it works. I think that we can feel like, grateful and angry or grateful and in pain or grateful and grieving at the same time they're not mutually exclusive emotions right so that's sort of like what I'm able to tap into when I'm not feeling grateful like yeah there's things that I'm grateful for in my life on a of course of course but I'm also you're also allowed to not be able to tap into it today do you know what I mean
0: Right. Like you can be grateful, but still longing for something. You can be grateful, but still yes. uncomfortable. You you can have, but right. I mean like, I, I, I think I that what,
7: or even like you can acknowledge that you don't feel like, like, like intellectually, you know, you're grateful, but like, you don't feel it today and that's okay. Right,
0: That's more, I think that's more relevant. I mean, like at, at my meeting this morning, everybody seemed to be like really feeling the spirit and, mm-hmm. uh, and it makes me, you know, I can be skeptical in those moments, but I, I mean, like, I I mean, gratitude comes, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it comes, it comes back. Um, but I I'm always grateful that
7: I'm not dope sick.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, when I hear a story like that, it like really brings it back for me. It's yeah. weird how I tap into that, like how I, I tap into that immediately. Like that, the feeling of being dope sick and getting well was so, it was such a profound, crazy experience and also lasted for so long like when i had covid um like i'm a little nervous about this covid resurgence and and when i had covid i was fucking really really sick um like like and it reminded me of withdrawal but i i knew that i that like i wasn't gonna get dope and dope wasn't gonna get me better and i was gonna ride it out and i kind of enjoyed it you know Mm -hmm. um but i appreciate your christmas story and, um, I wish you a Merry Christmas,
7: Merry Christmas, happy Festivus,
1: <laughs> Festivus <laughs> for the rest of For us. the rest of us.
0: So it's always nice to have Aaron on the show. And, uh, whenever I hear a story about a junkie who, uh, who, who finds a way to get dope, I, I feel I'm like right on the edge of my seat with them. Even six years or I haven't done heroin in probably eight or nine years Uh, but I'm still on the edge of my seat because I was dope sick so many times. And that feeling like I find that feeling to be one of the most interesting feelings in life. It's like the closest thing to actual instant gratification when you're like at death's door and you take this substance and you're better. It's like the video game where you eat the food and your health is restored or whatever. And, um, I, I had that experience happen to me so many times where I would be at the brink of of just I mean it's funny because in reality I would be on the brink of getting well I'd be on the brink of of going through withdrawal and coming out on the other side and I I never wanted to come out on the other side because the withdrawal was so uncomfortable and if any of you guys have ever been through withdrawal and I know many of you guys have you know it takes it takes a long time I mean I tell people like don't expect to feel close to normal for 90 days, but that could actually be six months. You know, it gets so ingrained in our heads. But when I lived in, in California, and and on Dopey Reddit, they're, they're recalling this story, and it was one of my old favorites, which was I would cop downtown, and I was a member of the Bart Beverly Methadone Clinic, which was kind of between MacArthur Park and Echo Park, and I met a guy at that clinic who told me about this blind heroin dealer further out in downtown L.A. where I had to take, I don't remember the highway now. I think it was the 405 or the 110 or who knows. But I'd have to go past downtown and I'd get off this exit and there was a blind heroin dealer named Sergio and his dope was way better than the the kind of bullshit dope that I would buy downtown. And when I would drive down there, I would be like, Well, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since there's no place to go, Sergio, Sergio, Sergio. And I I don't know how Sergio knew how much money I would give him or anything really. It was like, it was a crazy phenomenon. And I only went to him like a handful of times, but his dope was way better than the other dope. And just the the novelty was, uh, was awesome. Now we are going go to go uh, to a dope fiend who, uh, who was fucked up in California. He's also the uh, CEO and owner of SRO Prints, which is, of course, the merchandise company we make dopey merch together with. So if you want any Dopey merch, you go to DopeyPodcast.com, and Brandon is going to send you hoodies and T-shirts and, and all that good stuff, and he also has a fucked-up Dopey Christmas story for you all. So here is Brandon.
8: Hey, Dopey Nation. This is Brandon from SR Prince, and this is a Dopey Christmas tale. Christmas Eve 2003, I had a gift card f- for $100 to buy a bike for a six-year-old that had no gifts. It was my friend's daughter. I was high on crack. I ran into Toys R Us on Geary Street in San Francisco right before they closed in the pouring rain to buy this bicycle. I drug this bike all the way to my friend's house where we were staying with this guy, Rick. We put this bike together, so high on crack, covered in the (laughs) rain. And we'd gotten it ready to take to my friend's daughter the next morning who could not afford to get a gift for her. So uh, the next morning, Christmas morning, Eric and I ran to the methadone clinic at General Hospital. We ran to 7th and Market, picked up all our colada pins and the crack, all the things, the festivities for the day. And then we ran home and picked up this bike. We brought this bike to Treasure Island to my friend's six-year-old daughter, Sierra, and she was so ecstatic, so happy. The mom was so happy. One, that we'd showed up with all the drugs, too. But her daughter now had a bicycle. So with this great day, all of us were doing tons of drugs. We did a lot of heroin, a lot of crack, a lot of benzos. And the day became a blur. All I remember is waking up that night on their bed, and my friend Eric laying next to me, and he had gotten stuck between the wall and the bed, and he woke up screaming like he was trapped and I was like, what's going on? You know, I finally wake up, and I don't even remember any of the day. And it was, at this time, it was probably midnight on Christmas night. And he was adamant about getting crack. Now, we were on Treasure Island, and that is an island in the middle of the Bay Bridge. And catching a bus on Christmas at midnight, the one bus that comes maybe once an hour, is a nightmare. So anyway, we ran to the bus stop to go get the crack, to go into the city, and we had just missed the bus. So we're sitting there in this... Thing covered in the rain, and it's just like, think this sucks. We shouldn't go. This is such a waste of time. But anyways, we we end up going, and I remember getting to the city, and we go to Six and Mission and Six and Market, trying to get you know the good deals. No one was out. It's Christmas. Even the crack dealers are you know at home celebrating with their families. And I just remember it's raining. Eric and I are like soaking wet, and we're just walking down Market Street. We're the only ones out there. And I'm like, this sucks. This is the most miserable place on the earth. And we finally scored. I remember we got crack, and we're on this alley off Polk Street. And I just remember smoking crack at one in the morning in an alley in the rain looking up in people's apartments and seeing Christmas trees and the lights on the streets and just homeless people walking around. And I just thought, Merry fucking Christmas. That's all I've got. It was a lot more going on, but I, it's a short one. So uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation. and fucking toodles for Chris.
0: Thank you, Brandon. Merry fucking Christmas indeed. And I, and I do think... That when we are uh, in active addiction and we're using around Christmas and we're getting high watching uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol or uh, It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street, it's always got that double edge of uh, misery and longing for something better. And then the great, like, disassociative effect of just feeling like you are Christmas because you're so high and you're watching it on TV, which is another miracle of Christmas in itself. And uh and that leads us to our next guest, also out of California, the former Nitrous aficionado, dope shooter, porta potty resident, the one and only skinny Vinny. All right, so the Christmas episode rolls on. Dopey Christmas. 2021, and one of my favorite new friends of 2021, and one of the best dopey guests of 2021, is my is my friend Skinny Vinny. Merry Christmas, Vinny, and welcome back. Merry to the show.
9: fucking Christmas. You know, you you know, it's I'm still getting DMs from people saying that I was their favorite dopey guest. And it's an, it's that, a fucking honor, dude.
0: Is that true, or is it just Amanda it's Lauren honor- writing you over and over again? <laughs>
9: <laughs> no, dude, it's so true, man. It's it's. <laughs> no, it's good. They, uh, uh, dude, just the other day I got one. Listen, it's when it's I sick. I'm
0: not listen. I, I, I sometimes I can exaggerate, but you are a fucking inc- you are an incredible. Dopey guests. People even wrote me and tore down other guests and said, if only they were more like Vinny. If this dude was more like Vinny. I'm not going to say the people they tore down, but that's. How, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, but also, we had a good connection. It was fun. Yeah, so if no one ever heard the Skinny Vinny episode, you got to go back and listen to it. This is a dopey Christmas. And, and like my favorite, my thought when I was thinking about this show was I was like remembering what it was like before I was a drug addict and how much I enjoyed Christmas. And then kind of like those kind of in between years where you'd sneak out to use and come back in. And then when it's just over, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. you know, do you, can you relate to that evolution of, of Christmases? Yeah. hundred percent.
9: I mean, I never, even before, um, I started to get loaded. I never really enjoyed Christmas only for the reason being that, um, I spent Christmas with my mom's side of the family most of the time and me and my mom's side of the family never really got along. And, uh, just because of, uh, just because of resentments and, and things that I knew actually, you know what, you
0: know what, you know what, let's, let's start over. Let's start over because I don't want to edit all that. And I want Vinny to have a nice video for his thing. Like I can cut, cut it. You can cut all that shit out? Yeah. Like quickly, though? Or I mean, yeah? It is possible for me to cut it, yes. All right, I'm Why sorry. Looking man. At me like that? I, I don't looking like that. Yeah, know, no, it's I all good. Ruined his story. I didn't mean to ruin your story. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm sorry. Total amateur. I apologize.
9: <laughs> we're keeping all, all right. this in. <laughs> what do you go? So, where were we? My, my fault. No, no, it's just because it, my, uh, my, my mom's side of the family, like my mom's mom, she's she's a gnarly alcoholic even to this day and then and my mom's dad sexually abused my mom before I was born and then like me hearing these things and and my and my mom's mom allowing it to happen and not wanting it to get out because she was afraid to to ruin the family name I I I immediately as soon as I heard these stories I immediately started to have resentments toward them towards them so I So but I had to spend Christmas with these people. So it was never it was never like, a oh, a merry time with you and your family opening gifts, having having brunch and all that stuff. It was never like that. It was me just having to be there and having to sit and just see these people that I just didn't like. And uh, so I never really for that reason, I never really enjoyed Christmas. And then i started to get loaded and then holidays were never a thing and i you know it's but now like this is my first christmas where i actually like i have money to buy people gifts and i'm there for people and and like i, I i'm here to call people and just like be, hey man how you doing and merry christmas you know like this is the first time where i i actually get to do that you know and I spent a shit ton of money on Christmas presents this year that I'm kind of regretting, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> what's the best? What's the best present you bought somebody this year? I, I bought I bought Zach a, an Oculus.
0: No, I saw him with that thing.
9: Yeah. Have you yeah, played it? I, yeah, I bought one for myself too. <laughs> wow, you guys, you guys yeah. are
0: fucking serious out there. You
9: yeah, guys are and then fucking I, I bought serious. I bought my mom an Apple Watch. I bought my girlfriend an Apple Watch and a Louis Vuitton wallet and. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I spent a lot of money, but it's, it's worth it, dude. It's the first time I've actually done that. Well,
0: wow, I've never done anything like that. I've never, <laughs> I, I like, I bought my kid like a box of chocolates. I bought, I bought, I mean, I, I buy little things, but you're, that's, that's impressive gift giving. I'm, I, I wish, yeah. how do I get on the,
9: on the, on the skinny? <laughs> skinny <laughs> <Skinner's-> <laughs> you know, what? I, the, the, the story of the Oculus is really funny if, if you, if we have time for me to tell it. All right. All right. So I bought Zach the Oculus first. I didn't buy mine and I was going to wait for Christmas to, uh, to, to give it to him, obviously. But, and then a few weeks prior, before that, I bought a blowjob machine. Right. (laughs) And, and and it's a, it's like a really expensive, nice blowjob machine. And it's, but it's loud. It was like 400 bucks. And 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 it gives you head. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing.
10: Fuck, fuck, fuck.
9: And, uh, um, can't talk right now. I'll call you back. And, uh, and, but it's really loud. So I can't really use it when they're home. So Zach and his girlfriend left and I was like feeling kind of horny and I was like, huh, I'm going to, I'm going to use my machine and my machine is in my closet and it was right next to Zach's Oculus. And I and I went to go pick my, my the machine up, and I see his Oculus and like the idea of VR porn just came into my head, and I was just like, "No fucking way!" And like I had his, I took it, I took it out of the, the closet, and I, and I was like, just about to open it, but I was just like. That's very wrong. I can't open. I can't open Zach's present. Use it and then try to put it back and tape it back up. I, I just can't do that, you know. So I went and bought my own Oculus and I came home and I did it. And it's like, dude, it's like living in the year 2050. It's like virtual reality porn with a blowjob machine. It's it's, it's fucking That's insane. Incredible.
0: You're blowing Howie's mind right now. You should see Howie put your face <laughs> on. <that. Howie. laughs> this is the this is the dreams that are Howie's. This is, the, this is the thing, right, Hal? What do you think, How? I love it. Um, so, like, <laughs> I just figured that the Oculus is just, like, for, like, games and stuff.
9: How do you nah. bring it in with the blowjob machine? How does that work? You is d- there a setting? Well, you, dude. No, dude. Pornhub has a VR section. So wow. you just go to fucking Pornhub and go to VR, and you get all these videos, and you're literally there. It's How insane. do you lube up the blowjob machine?
0: You what got to do it? that is...
9: before you put the Oculus on. <laughs> so you just put a little, you put a little bit of lube in the part and there you go. You're ready to go. Like it's, it's a heavy duty, dude. It's heavy duty. Like you have to plug it into a wall. It's not like battery powered. Like <laughs> it's fucking, it's like a heavy duty machine. Is there any fear of like over constriction or
0: some sort of like cutting your dick off or your dick getting no, cut into no. it? No I'd fear be of that. The, of only that fear, thing.
9: the only fear that I do have is that I, I feel like it might ruin sex for me, oh. just because it's just so futuristic and so like I don't have to do anything and like <laughs> I've been doing it so much. It's, it's, so I, like, how might, often
0: are you using the blowjob machine? I don't know. Once a day. And I,
9: like, I, it's been every day for it's been every day for the last week. Is that why
0: you really brought bought the uh black satin robe? Cuz it's like you you <laughs> put on the robe, you bust out the Oculus, bust out the blowjob machine and it's like, "All right,
11: baby. You it's you yeah. and me
0: against the world." Did you name yeah. it? The, the, like what it's like amazing.
9: Did
11: you yeah. I mean
0: like yeah. okay, so is it in the office? Where is it right now?
9: No, it's in my claw it's in my closet. And you keep it. You keep it.
0: You right? You keep yeah, it. I-
9: I keep it hidden in the closet just in case people come over, you know, like I don't want, I don't want guests seeing my, my huge blowjob machine. Dude, this is the first thing you brought up.
0: We're supposed to be telling dopey Christmas stories and you're like, wait a second, let me tell you about my blowjob
9: machine that I keep hidden
0: from the guests. <laughs> like how fast do you tell the people at home? Like how quickly uh, so does I've, it get?
9: I've been telling most of my friends just because like, it's just so the, the, the VR blows my mind and then just the fact that like like having a blowjob machine it's a little embarrassing but you, you know me dude i don't, i don't give a fuck but it's just like i don't want like i, I, I keep it in the closet cuz my girlfriend I'm like i don't want, i don't want her to come home and see my and see a blowjob has she
0: seen before. you getting a blowjob from the blowjob machine yet
9: no not yet uh uh-uh. uh
0: that's not on her like on her like <laughs> Like no. one of the things she wants is to no, is to like I, you, you can be like baby no. we can do a threesome you me <laughs> and the blowjob machine <laughs> yeah I love it I love it um dude that's serious business I'm impressed I'm impressed with your uh, commitment to pornography and hedonism so I think dude, that's it's great dude it's
9: a I think it's I I think my porn is becoming a problem I I think. Uh, I think it's getting a little too much and like every day I'm just like, I want to, I want to stop watching porn, but I can't, it's, it's starting to become a bad problem.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's another place that a sponsor could be incredibly instrumental in your life. Um, but I, but at the same time, it's really good material. So we'll table this. We'll table this until next time.
9: It's great content. (laughs)
0: Um, but I understand. I, I think that that's worth looking at. I think pornography can be, Debilitating, especially when you have a machine that blows you with an <laughs> yeah. Oculus, is like that's got to be a slippery slope, right? It has to. Yeah. Be. So, like, yeah. when you're doing when you're doing the virtual porn, how many scenarios are in Pornhub for that?
9: There's countless videos.
0: There's so many. And you're many just of them. in the video, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to circle back on your potential. Pornography addiction and let's get into the dopey Christmas stuff. So what's your horrible dopey Christmas story?
9: So it didn't happen on Christmas. It happened a couple days before it um, This was the around the time where I was heavy into Xanax or uh, or any prescription pills that would just black me out and just not remember a thing and I used to love mixing Xanax with dope or Xanax with perks, Xanax with Oxy's. That was my thing. And whenever I would take Xanax, I become a fucking asshole. I steal everything and I become a dickhead. And I don't, I don't remember this. Like like whenever I would have a a night blacked out on Xanax, I'd wake up the next morning and I'd have a pocket full of iPhones. Or Tom Tom GPSs that I would go car hopping and like and just steal. This was back when they had the remember the Tom Tom GPSs that would be attached to the windshield. and Instead, you know, this is before GPS on your phone. And yes. uh, so I yeah I would come home and I'd have GP, like Tom Toms everywhere, iPhones everywhere. And so all no of the
0: Xanax, all of the Xanax stealing memes you could really relate to. I, I was on Xanax oh, 100%. constantly. I think I would steal like cookies from the. Right Aid, but I would steal cookies like sober or on. I wasn't a big like benzo stealing guy, but it seems like you were the real thing.
9: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was bad. Um, but the, and the person who I would be the meanest to is to my mom. And, um, I think, I, I, if, I think I asked her for some money. I, I I think I was like trying to manipulate her and be like, mom, it's fucking Christmas. Let me get some fucking Christmas money. Like, I, I I want to, I want, told her I wanted to go do something, but she just kept saying no, no. And I was just so fucked up. And I, I kept saying like, you're a horrible mother. I wish I was dead. I'm going to kill myself. Like just really fucked up shit, you know, like, like really dark stuff. And, um, I guess I like, I guess my mom was afraid that I was actually going to like, like act on these things that I was saying. And she like called the cops and called ambulance. And like, I I was pretty much 5150. I wasn't like in an actual psych ward, but I, I woke up the next morning and I was in a hospital surrounded by cops and I was there for two days and then uh, the last day being Christmas. <laughs> and it was just like, and I, I, when I woke up and I came to, I had like black permanent marker all over my face and, and I, I was just a, a, a low piece of shit, dude. Xanax did that to me, man. It was not, it was not cool. <laughs>
0: And did you, what was the other stealing on Xanax? Did you steal other, like, was that like a, a long time thing that you would like just go thieving you, and, and not remember?
9: Yeah. Yeah. It, what me and my, uh, my friends would do at the time, we would we, go do this thing called car hopping. We would just eat a bunch of Xanax and we would just go car to car seeing if it was unlocked or we would never break. We would never break a window to get in, but we would just see if it was unlocked. And a lot of the times, dude, people leave their cars unlocked and, like, leave a bunch of shit in there. Like, one time we found, like, 15 grand in a couple ounces of weed. It had to, had to have been a, a drug dealer's car. But the dude had wow. it unlocked. And, yeah, he had it you unlocked. You went into a and, car and there was $15,000? Where was it? Yeah. It was, uh, it was in Connecticut. And it was just parked on the street, like, every normal car. And But where was the um, money it, in the car? It was in a Manila envelope and it was in this the the center con- the center council and it had a couple ounces of weed the money and then it had a a macbook in the back seat and and it, you know it had to have been a fucking drug dealer
0: was that the greatest of all Xanax scores in the history of car? yeah it had, yeah, had, had to have been
9: yeah yeah any any
0: any other like uh cuz you had how long were you living in the in the fucking porta potty in in Connecticut
9: yeah so i i was in that for a couple years but Um, my mom would always come down, um, whether like most like the holidays. So she never knew that I was living in the porta potty. She thought that I was like, like couch surfing pretty much, but, um, she, she didn't know that I I like burned all my bridges and had no other friends. to let me sleep on their couch, except for one person who I got high with, but I wasn't allowed at his house because his father and every morning when his father would go to work he would, he would come get me and I would go to his house. We would get high. He'd let me take a shower and then I'd have to go back to the porta potty you know? So it's like, but for the holidays, it, my mom would, you know, come down and maybe take us out to uh, like breakfast or whatever and give me maybe 40 bucks or something, you know, and she knew what I was doing with it. But like, yeah, this Christmas was never fun for those for those years.
0: <laughs> you never set up a, a little Christmas tree in the porta potty. No, no light. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no mistletoe in the doorway. Uh-uh. Um, and what about what about when you first got to California and your first Christmas clean? Like, how was that? How did um, it feel?
9: Yeah. So the first Christmas clean here, it was in the sober living. Um, it, I mean, it was okay, you know. Um, I, I got to the Silver living in February, so I had a good amount of t- uh, time, like, like building relationships with the guys there. So it was like, it was like a brother thing, you know, like, like spending Christmas with the guys in the house. We did like a secret Santa. I was pr- practically still broke at the time, you know? So it was just like, I, I couldn't afford to go home if they wanted me to come home. But it, I mean, it, it was good. It was, it was fun. Like not not waking up and having the score so you are just well it was it's like it was a very slow progression to to like okay this is what normal life is this is what spending holidays with people is like this is what opening a gift is like you know like it was it was good
0: totally and also there's just something like the true meaning of christmas like when you're with your people in like now that you can buy You know, Oculus's oculi. I don't know if it's it's oculi or oculuses. I don't know. (laughs) know. You can buy multiple Oculus machines for your for yourself and for Zach and multiple Apple watches and obviously material shit is off the charts. But that, I think, those first Christmases and like a sober living where you know you you actually are grateful to be sober and you're like it's like you know it's it's the it's that very very baseline beautiful grateful just for being able to be alive you know what i mean
9: yeah no absolutely and i and i think like i can only speak for myself but uh uh, one of the ways that helps me stay sober is i i I have to do everything opposite of what i used to do right in every aspect of my life and so like for an example like um, this last thanksgiving you know i sat I, I got on my phone and I went through and I and I texted and and called uh, like so many people just saying hey man happy Thanksgiving I'm grateful for you and what you do you know I nice. even I'm, I'm pretty sure I sent you a text on Thanksgiving you did I was thrilled yeah I, was, I loved yeah. it and I expect
0: yeah. a Christmas text as well um, <laughs> you got it dude Merry Christmas and I appreciate your your dopey shit it's good yeah good Merry shit Christmas and- to you too dude. So that was Skinny Vinny laying it down on gratitude and actual thieving on Xanax, which is the big, uh, the great myth of, uh, of Xanax. It, he busted it open, and I guess stealing on Xanax is an actual thing. And Dopey Nation, if you guys are out there stealing on Xanax or you did steal on Xanax and you have a, a fire Xanax thieving story or any kind of good dopey voicemail, Please send it in to DopeyPodcast at gmail.com. And if I play it, you get the free socks. Send in an email. I'm going to read a quick email from this guy, Jack, from Philly, who's a longtime Dopey fan. It's always nice to hear from people after a long time. And if you're still listening after a long period of time, it would be nice to hear from you, too. Jack writes... Hey, Dave, I wanted to say happy holidays, happy new year, and thank you, thank you to you, Ray, Mr. Allen, Ms. Linda, and everyone else tied to the Dopey Nation. I just moved into a new apartment in Audubon, New Jersey, South Jersey, a few miles from Philly, and things are going great. I moved out of the East Kensington section of Philly back in March of 2019 and haven't used an opiate since then thanks in large part to dopey podcast and the dopey nation then i got off my xanax script at the beginning of the shutdown in march 2020 since that time i've been able to secure a good government job i've repaired some relationships and i've been able to grow and rebuild a healthy lifestyle not to mention i'm genuinely happy and becoming more confident as time goes on dopey has played an integral role in my progress and has served as a place of solace during difficult times. Thank you for that. I have to be really careful talking about my shit due to the nature of my job, but I'll try to send in a voice memo or two this year with some crazy stories from Kensington and my past life. God bless you, and stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles from Jack in Philly. I appreciate that, Jack. Merry Christmas to you. Good luck in the great wiles of joy And uh, a couple more uh, Dopey voicemails before we get to our next
12: guest. What's up, Dopey Nation? It is Dopey Drez uh, wishing you a very Merry Christmas from rainy California. I know, poor me. It's raining, but no one knows how to drive in the fucking rain. Some bitch almost killed me on the freeway today, for real. Uh, Enjoy your presence and... You know, it can be kind of a hard time for us too. You know, if you're suffer with depression, or you're not with family, or you're by yourself, or you're isolating, and like that kind of shit. Like I'm by myself, and it's like it's just another fucking day, you know. And there's also so much pressure, you know, to be happy, like enjoy, celebrate, and everyone's like drinking and their fucking faces off. So just remember, it's just another day, man. Reach out to someone. We do we do this together. You know, the whole nation's here for you. Not worth getting loaded over. Uh, it's going to pass. And um, and if you're with family, fucking be nice to them. And if you're with family that triggers you, fucking go outside and take a breath. I bought vape pods. I'm a bad, bad girl. And the guy asked me if I was over 21. I laughed so hard. That was my Christmas present. <laughs> anyway, uh, I love you all. And um, stay safe, Dopey Nation. And toodles for Chris
9: what's up dopey nation this is cormac i don't want a lot for christmas there's just one thing i need that's for you to stay strong and me not say toodles
11: hey dave hey dopey nation it's annie ellie here so it seems a lot of us are celebrating festivus this year but whatever you are celebrating and however you're celebrating it i wish for you to do it safely Remember, you don't have to feel alone over the holidays. We'll be in the Dopey Zoom room as always, so come along and get connected. I wish everyone the very best for 2022. Stay strong, toodles for Chris, and happy fucking holidays.
0: Love to hear from everyone in the Dopey Nation, especially Annie Ellie. Hello, Dopey Nation. This is Annie Ellie. He has the best accent ever. So thank you, Annie Ellie. Thank you, Dopey Drez. And thank you, Cormac. And Cormac's looking for a big Reddit resurgence. So if you guys are looking for another social media platform to get involved with, go join Cormac and the other Dopey Redditors. They need support. It's like a a meeting that needs support. Cormac said he's got big plans for Dopey Reddit this year. So I would key in on Dopey Reddit. And before we get to our final guest, which I'm very excited to have uh, Jessica Kent, YouTube and TikTok phenomenon back on Dopey to tell a fucked up Dopey Christmas story, I think about, you know, like, how many Christmases, like, was I addicted to drugs for or was I a drug addict for? And it was very, very many. And uh, and the gradient between, you know, the early years and the late years is is intense. Like, it's an intense difference. You know, in the beginning, you know, running off with friends and getting high and, and being cool still. And and then it escalating and escalating. And I remember when I was a young adult, we used to go, and I was in my early 20s, and we used to go to this Christmas party in Connecticut. And, uh, and I loved to be like the bull in the china shop at that point. And it was this nice Christmas party, and me and a couple friends of mine, would go there and and we I would get wasted on alcohol there and we would do coke. I remember we tripped ecstasy there one time and we'd always steal shit from the guy, and we would wind up at another person's house going over the shit we took and it was never like real stuff. Like I think uh, like my friend would stole like a bottle of, of liquor. And I wound up stealing fried chicken, (laughs) so we got to the guy to the next house and I emptied my pocket and it was just full of fried chicken. And that was just kind of like the in-between stage where where I could still have a job and still have a life and and have a laugh about being such a train wreck. And of course that evolved into, you know, many Christmases just alone and, and miserable. And if any of you guys are feeling alone and miserable, There's always the Dopey Zoom. There's Friends. There's fucking Lord of the Rings on demand. There's so many things you can do. Uh, I think the greatest tool when dealing with misery is action. So if you're miserable, I, I suggest get into action or listen to Jessica Kent. Here we are joined by the lovely Jessica Kent straight out of Chicago. And Jess's story is way different than... My stories, because Jess was like this crazy dealer, so she was dealing with large amounts of heroin, and her story take pl- took place before she moved to Chicago. So she's in in rural upstate New York, and we've been like. Very fortunate to be collaborating with Jessica on video stuff. And we have this full story plus extra stuff is available right now on Dopey Patreon. So go check it out. And there's going to be more stuff going up on YouTube. We played a little game, we did a daily reflection. So check out Dopey YouTube. And in the meantime, here's Jessica Kent. And it's Christmas. So Merry Christmas.
13: Merry Christmas. Do you have like seasonal seasonal depression with Christmas or like are you a super happy Christmas person?
0: Well, first of all, I'm Jewish, so Christmas is kind of like off to the oh. side. but I'm a super happy Christmas person. I like Christmas. I don't have seasonal uh, depression. <laughs> I don't I, I, I enjoy Christmas. What about you?
13: I like Christmas morning like that's my favorite thing with the girls but every single thing leading up to that is like the most, you know, it's a lot of work, a lot of presents, a lot of stress. And I'm trying to work overtime so that I can have a couple of days with them and to celebrate Christmas and not do anything. So leading up to it is hell on earth. And I don't want any part of it. I don't want to go to Christmas parties. Like I, I don't fucking want to, but Christmas morning with two, my two daughters, amazing.
0: Right. And are you doing, are you doing Christmas parties and stuff or no?
13: You know, I just want to be invited to them so that I can tell them no, thank you. Or just (laughs) tell them yes.
0: Yeah, I want to be invited. I don't want to go. You tell them yes, and then you just don't go, oh, no, it's COVID, Omicron, blah, blah, blah. Um, And on our Dopey Christmas special, we are trying to collect as many Christmas fucked up stories as we can. And I know, you know, from your story, there's probably a lot of, very fucked up Christmas stories. Can you think of a fucked up Christmas story to share with the Dopey Nation?
13: I am always good for a fucked up story about addiction. Like you can always count on me for that. Nice. Um, So the Christmas before I left New York, it was Christmas of 2010. I went on the run February of 2011, right? Well, Christmas 2010, my dealer was on vacation and we were moving a lot of product. So he was going to Alaska, and for whatever fucked up reason he was entrusting me with a lot of dope a lot of heroin because he was going to be gone and i couldn't make my re-ups so i essentially got triple what i was supposed to get you were the middle person
0: he was the supplier and you were the middle person
13: so i had runners that ran for me and sold for me i didn't do a lot of day-to-day transactions at that point Um, I tried to stop doing that because I'm like, I'm, I'm so fucked. I'm going to get locked up again. Like I tried to minimize all of the FaceTime that I could. Um, but when you do that and you're a drug addict, you become a recluse and you don't leave your house and then you get like really paranoid and really weird. Right. So I'm like, oh, I'm not doing all these deals. So I'm not going to get locked up. What are you talking about? So stay in the house. Don't get sunlight. Never fucking go outside. Don't get fresh air. Yeah, you're fine. Everything's, everything's good. Um, Well, my mom was like, I really want you to come up to Utica, where she was living at the time, Utica, New York. And she's like, just come up to Utica and have Christmas with us, you know, um, whatever. And I'm kind of a sucker for my parents. If they ask me to do something, I'm probably going to do it, you know. Um, So I'm like, "Okay, I'll go to Christmas. And just picture this for a second. I'm a total recluse, don't want to leave my house, just got a huge re-up. And my mom is telling me, please come to to Christmas and stay. And you're addicted to
0: heroin. You're addicted to heroin also. Okay.
13: I'm in at this point. I'm intravenously using, I'm dating a guy that is also intravenously using and he's costing me a shit ton of money. So, um, all of that's going on with my dealer. I'm like, well, I can't leave all this shit in my apartment. Like what if someone breaks in and takes it? So now I crossed a line where I brought heroin into my mom's house. And I would not do that. Like, I I had these rules, right? Don't don't use your own shit. Sell your product, and then you can get high off your profit. I had these fucked up rules. And at first, they all made sense, right? And I was really disciplined. But addiction doesn't give a fuck about your rules. So I'm like, it's just this one time. I'm just going to bring it here just this one time. Because if someone breaks into my apartment while I'm away and they steal all my shit, I'm so fucked. So I go to my mom's house for Christmas and I'm supposed to stay there like for like three or four days and I have an entire like backpack full of heroin. It was probably $60,000 worth of heroin. Um, Hold on, before and, you say
0: another thing, when you have a backpack full of heroin, like how, mu- how much heroin are we talking about exactly? Like, what does it look like? Like give me an object that I could compare it to.
13: Okay, mixing bowl full. <laughs> no <laughs> That way. I had to... Mm -hmm. that I had to separate into stacks. So like 10 bundles per stack. And my mom obviously was going to notice if I'm like really guarded over this backpack. Like why is she carrying a backpack all around the house? You know, but I had to because I'm a lunatic. No one here is going to take this backpack. But I'm like, if I had a picture of this, it would just make me cry and laugh at the same time. But I'd be sitting in my mom's living room. She's cooking all this food, right? Tons of Christmas food. And she made cookies and fudge and bread and all the shit. And I'm nodding out on her couch, clutching a backpack like a weirdo. Like, wow, you had to. That's that's normal, totally normal. And my boyfriend at the time, uh, he was going into the bathroom every 10, 20 minutes to shoot up. And now I can't get out what I have, so I can't keep track of what he's using and what I'm using. You know, this backpack just floats around the fucking apartment with us, in and out of the bathroom, over and over and over again. And my brother, uh, he's a couple years, years older than me. He lived with my mom at the time. And my brother, at one point, he tried to wake me up, and he's like, "Hey, let's let's go smoke a bowl, like weed." And I'm like, "No, I'm just really tired." He's like, "You didn't do anything today. Why are you tired?" Like, why are you 20 and tired? Like, are you He kidding? didn't know.
0: Did he not know?
13: He, he knew, but like, he didn't want to like push it too far. Not yet. So I'm like, no, no, I, I don't want to smoke with you. And he just gets madder and madder over the course of these three days. So at one point I'm in the bathroom and I'm using, and my brother just opens the door. Doesn't knock, nothing, just opens the door and he sees it and he is just crazy mad And at the same time, like my boyfriend is there and he's like, he's going through tons of my shit, tons of it because I can't keep track. Um, And it's a very small apartment. (laughs) Very small. Now, let me
0: ask you one more question really quickly, Jess. Sure. When, When you have a mixing bowl full of heroin and it's not broken up into bags, right? It's in one big bag. Yeah. How could, I mean, like it would be so easy to go through a crazy amount and not even notice like if you have a bundle of dope you have a tiny little bit in each bag and it's like you know to stretch it out but if you have access to anything bigger it goes very fast anyway keep going please sorry
13: no you're a thousand percent right because what i would do is i had like this little straw i hate i hate if this is triggering but i would make the bags right and with a straw it's like this tiny little like nothing like here's my nail it's like on this nail put that in a bag that's what a bag is it's small small so yeah I I had no way of like knowing how much he was using and how much I was using and this like three days with my my mom my brother (laughs) And some other people, it was just really hard on my mom. And she's just trying to like cook and be in denial and like there's she's like Joan Cleaver, like w- like whipping out all this food, and I'm not fucking hungry. All I want to do is go to the bathroom and get high. I don't want you to ask me all these questions. Like please just leave me the fuck alone, which is horrible to say, you know? She just were wants there to needles have a good everywhere?
0: You, did you guys have needles everywhere?
13: I didn't have needles everywhere, but I had like a, a tin where I would keep my stuff. Cotton and needles and whatever, and I'd keep that in the backpack too. So, again, this backpack just was going all over the place.
0: Did your boyfriend Um, keep track of his shit okay, or was his shit just like a mess? Was there blood on the floor and all that?
13: Maybe I don't really know. I don't really know if if I was there, it would have
0: been a terrible mess. Anyway, keep going.
13: Were you you were messy? I was
0: very messy. I'm still very messy, but I was really bad. I, like, got evicted because yeah. someone was like, there's too much blood in the bathroom. Anyway, keep going.
13: <sighs> you need to tell that story on YouTube.
0: I don't know. Um, keep going. I'm with you.
13: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, my boyfriend used an extreme amount. Like, he used a lot. And he constantly would get me into debt. He was supposed to sell for me. He was supposed to be a runner. But he just was horrible at it. And he'd steal from me all the time. And he was using a lot. Well, all of this stuff is about to come to a head because it's fucking Christmas and I'm nodding out, and I can't even have a conversation with anybody. So my brother tries to, like, confront my boyfriend about it, and he's getting aggressive, and my mom is like, I made pie, and I'm like, what the fuck? And, like, my bro- my brother's, like, really mad at me, and now he's trying to talk to me, and I'm like, where the fuck is the backpack? And I had looked in there, and I noticed, like, we're missing a lot of stuff. Like, I am in so much fucking trouble. And this whole time, I'm like, I'm not even apologizing for how I've acted. I'm just being so shitty and so mean and so aggressive because all I want to do is leave. I do not want to be here. And my mom, my poor mom, she just wanted to have fucking Christmas. She wanted to have dinner and like open presents and be like a regular family. Um and what's crazy about like addiction in my family is every single time I have been doing really good, my brother's doing really bad and vice versa. We've never been like sober together. Um, we've always struggled in different times, it's very itchy, (laughs) so all of this stuff starts coming to a head, and I'm getting madder and madder, and everyone in the house is upset, and my brother, you know, is fucking pissed that I brought shit into my mom's house, and I'm using, and I'm all fucked up on Christmas, which, fair, and someone had to call me out, you know, and my mom's not going to do it, because she doesn't want me to leave, and then not show up for a year, you know, so my mom is like dealing with my bullshit, because she just wants me to be there, and that fucking sucks, So I start getting my shit together, the presents that she gave me and my fucking clothes and this backpack that's been floating around and my boyfriend's mad and now I'm fighting with him because he's using my shit and I'm like going to get in debt. I'm going to have to fucking deal with this and make this money back. So this all just like comes to a head and everyone's fucking pissed and yelling at each other. I grab my shit and I take off. I make someone come get me. I didn't even have a car at this time because I was so paranoid. I didn't want to (laughs) drive. Or have a car registered in my name. I mean, when you lose everything multiple times, it's like, fuck that car. I'll just pay someone to drive me around. Um, and you like rationalize your shit or you could, you know, stop selling drugs and stop doing drugs. But I'm like, I'm going to do it better this time. I'm not going to own course. a car. It's going to be yes. fine.
0: <laughs> it's to simplify, and minimize, no car, no problem.
13: Exactly. It's going to be great. Um, what? No. So I'm walking down the road, and I'm fighting with my boyfriend. He's trying to chase me down the road. I'm like losing my mind. He tries to grab the backpack. I punch him. My brother, I look, and he's looking out the window and sees this going on. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. So finally, my friend comes and and grabs me and picks me up. And I'm in the car, and my boyfriend tries to get in the car. And I'm like, fuck you. You can walk. And I'm trying to get him out of the car. Like It was insane. It was insane. I finally calmed down enough to be like, okay, just please take me back to my apartment. Like, let's just please, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, we can't be fighting on the sidewalk. Like, it's Christmas. You know, I just want to be left the fuck alone. Well, on, like, this drive back to where I lived, it was probably, like, 30 minutes from where my mom was my friend my childhood friend who like i was raised with she's like you need a fucking you need to go to rehab like you fucking need a program you need to go to rehab like look at you like look at yourself right now and in all of this chaos i didn't even notice that i had dried blood on my arm and like it was all down the side of my arm i didn't notice it at all it sounds she's like, just you, like it sounds
0: L-. like you were a little bit messy too
13: <laughs> i was angry and in a rush yeah <laughs> no, I, okay. I was messy but you know she's she's now mad at me and talking about rehab and I've just fucking had enough. Like it is too much for me. Get the fuck off my back. And you know I was very violent and aggressive anytime someone would try to get me to take a good look at what I was doing. You know I defended my addiction to the ground. I didn't care about anything else. Um, and you were not going to come in between me and my addiction. You're not going to use my drugs, get me in debt, fuck with me. Like I just want to get high. Like please just leave me alone. Well, it turns out <laughs> that, um, yes, I got into debt. And I went on the run from that in February of 2011. But Christmas of 2010, that was the last time I saw my mom and my brother. And then, like, for years. So I got locked up in Arkansas um, October of 2011. So I didn't see my mom and my brother in person until 2000. 14 or 15 and like i had to live with that like that's the last memory of they they have of you in person like you were a complete maniac strung out bringing drugs into the house acting irate and violent that's the last memory and that's the last holiday your family had with you so it just hit it really hit home when i had to call my mom in october
0: it's a crazy 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 christmas drug story what happened when you saw her in in 2014? Like where were you guys at then?
13: Yeah. So my mom has always been my ride or die. Even when I was like in my meth addiction, I would call her in the middle of the night and like talk to her on meth. And I'm like playing guitar hero on my phone. I'm like, everything's fine. I'm talking a million miles, miles an hour at 2 AM and she would answer the phone at 2 AM to talk to me, you know? So she was with me. Um, but I just didn't see, like, mentally, she was there for me, right, answering the phone and stuff. Um, and she wrote me all throughout my my prison stay and everything. So she was always there, as much as she could be from 1,300 miles away. So when I saw her in, like, 2014 or maybe 2015, it was just, it was awesome. We were so happy to finally see each other. And she got to meet Micah for the first time. And Micah was, like, four. <laughs> um but yeah, it was a really emotional visit. Like, oh, here's my daughter. You're meeting her for the first time in her life. Like, it was an overflow of emotion. I'm remembering that Christmas, and now she's meeting my daughter, and it's been years. And like, it was really emotional and hard, but like in a good way.
0: Amazing. And um, I love that. I think that's a brutal, brutal dopey Christmas story, which I appreciate, which I, which I knew you would deliver the dopey goods for this dopey christmas i want to hear about christmas in jail like what the fuck like like did you ever get you didn't get high too much in jail right
13: which time
0: the last time
13: um no, no no i didn't i didn't use drugs or drink alcohol while i was pregnant and then after my daughter was born i i didn't do that because I was so afraid I was going to get drug tested because they do that. They drug tested in prison. Um, and if I had a dirty urine, then that's going to be like she was in foster care. So DHS would have been told that I had a dirty urine. So I was really, really scared.
0: So when you're in jail for, for Christmas, do like you guys decorate the cells? Is there a Christmas tree? Is there any lights or tinsel? What do you do?
13: Yeah, none of that.
0: Okay. Um,
13: You, you don't really string up popcorn
0: and like, and, and, you know, I'm just playing here. I'm just trying to have fun here.
13: No, no. Um, this is what we do. So we'll all get together and make a nice meal or make like some like holiday dessert or whatever on Christmas. We want to call our family. So the phone lines are long and we want to get Christmas cards or make Christmas stuff to send out like arts and crafts and stuff to send to our, our family or our kids or whatever. Um, some churches will come in and you can sign up for gifts like the church will buy a gift for like your son or your daughter and you can send out gifts like so they'll there's little things like that. Um, but inmates get like a t shirt and like socks as like a gift and that is it seems so small, but it means everything to an inmate to have a fresh white tee and a brand new pair of socks. Um, there's different like programs in prison too. Like there's drug programs and Christian programs and they'll do something different. Like they might celebrate it more than like the regular compound would. Um, but for just a regular inmate, that's not in a program, you're not really going to do that much.
0: All right. And Christmas this year is, is now that it's, it's on its way. You got everything for your daughters. You got for your fiance, you hooked it up. And now like is, is, did you get everything or are you still scrambling?
13: So I'm going to do everything in an ADHD deadline-induced panic and wrap it the night before. So it's going to be what, That's the tradition. I,
0: have, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I have three so, days. Three days. I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. But uh, I appreciate you coming on and telling this amazing, dopey holiday classic. Thank you, Jess. You're welcome. And Merry Christmas.
13: Merry Christmas.
0: So there, there's Jessica Kent. Fucking YouTube sensation. Jessica Kent telling us about her heroin-dealing Christmas days. And I love to hear the dealer's perspective. So if any of you guys have good dealer stories, please send them in to DopeyPodcast at gmail.com. If you never left us a review on iTunes, leave us an iTunes review. It makes my dad so happy. Chris always loved the reviews, so if you believe in the afterlife, do it for Chris. Makes me happy. It's a great thing. But make it a five-star review. No one wants wants their uh, feelings hurt on Christmas, and before we get out of here, I want to I want to play some more dopes for you. So here's some more dopes spreading the Christmas cheer.
1: What's up, Dave and Dolby Nation? This is Matt wiedemeyer Carroll coming to you live from Dyke, Iowa, out in the sticks with the cats and the dirt bikes. We're all sitting here. Just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and. We got a merry kiss my ass and a merry kiss my ass in here that was abby and here you go merry, justin longhorn merry christmas merry christmas Dopey nation love you guys stay safe out there and fucking toodles for chris attention
5: Dopination. nation this is paulina coming at you live from costa mesa california and I wanted to take this opportunity to
13: wish you all a very happy holiday season. And wanted to say thank you guys for being a part of this awesome community.
7: Uh, thank you, Dave. And I hope you guys have a safe and happy holidays. Um,
12: I guess that's it. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And fucking toodles for Chris. Hello, everyone. This is the Pope, and I would like to wish all of you a very merry Christmas. I am going to say a quick prayer, and then off to see the new Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, Merry Christmas, and stay strong, Adobe Nation. <laughs>
5: Whip. Hey y'all, it's Jesse. I hope that everyone has a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, wonderful holiday season, and I very much look forward to spending 2022 with you degenerate fucking dopes. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, peace and love for Todd, and fucking toodles for Chris. Love you guys.
10: Hey there, my name is John Shirley. Um, I have 102 days clean. Um, I started listening to... To dopey podcast probably, about about four four and a half months ago, um, and then I ended up getting clean right after that, um, and I can I can honestly say that Dopey Nation has helped me so so much. Um, I've tried getting clean about three times before this, and none of the other times worked, because I didn't have the the amount of community support and personal support that I have with Dopey, um, and I would just like to wish a Merry Christmas to everyone, and uh, I hope everyone has a, a very good Christmas and a a Happy New Year. And uh, love all y'all and toodles. Merry Christmas, Dopey brothers and sisters. Thanks for helping me make it through another year. Hope you're all safe and warm with people who love ya. I love y'all. You guys stay strong and stay safe. Toodles. And that's some love from your favorite ho, ho, ho. Rocks.
14: Hey, what's up, Dopey Nation? It's Alson Wright from South Florida, coming at you fresh out of the hospital with a ruptured appendix, which is always dope. So I'll be on IV antibiotics via midline for the next two weeks, and then I get to have this sucker ripped out of me. A uh, quick little funny story: as I was getting discharged from the hospital, one of the doctors came in, and obviously it was in my paperwork that I was a person in long-term recovery, and I guess he had his preconceived notions about people in recovery. Uh, So he started trying to have this conversation that he clearly had no idea how to navigate. And it took quite some time and with him beating around the bush till I finally realized that he was basically asking me not to inject anything into the midline aside from the antibiotics and trying to tell me how dangerous that would be. I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. Um, I'm grateful to be in a place where that is just not a thought that crossed my mind, although I'm sure at some point it would have Uh, as is probably true for many of us. Anyways, I hope you all are having a happy and healthy holiday season. I know the holidays can be rough for a lot of us. So if you're having a difficult time, please don't hesitate to reach out. Reach out to me or anybody in the Dopey Nation. Every single one of you dopes are, you know, fucking cool as shit and always willing to lend an ear or a shoulder. So don't hesitate to reach out. If you're still using, please be safe. Have Narcan around. Never use alone. Fucking never use alone. Uh, test your shit. If you need any supplies or just general harm reduction information or knowledge, you know where to find me. Uh, I'm always on Facebook. Please reach out. In fact, my number is 561-646-7701. You might have an easier t- time getting in touch with me there with the messenger. I'm just not always good at staying on top of messenger. Anyways, uh, happy holidays. Fucking Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah, even though that's already passed. And I hope you all have a great new year. Love you guys. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Fucking toodles for Chris.
11: Hey, this is Jeremy Turner, a.k.a. Whitey Tidies. Doing this message from the side of the Mississippi River. Where I work on a steamboat. And just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. And My heart goes out to everybody who kind of gets depressed this time of year. I know I do uh, This is the second year in a row that I have not used during the holidays and it's a weird feeling man. It's uh, it's very strange not to take that depression and use it as an excuse to use because Now I know what it's like to actually come out of the depression and and see the light so I appreciate all the messages I get from people in the Dopey Nation I love you all. Thanks for your undying support. Thanks, Dave, for everything you do. Keep up the good work. Um, toodles for Chris and Todd. Stay strong, Dopey Nation.
0: I, I can't help but get choked up every time I hear from you guys in the Dopey Nation. This episode had people from all over the world, and like Paulina said, it's a community. And the show, this show, it, it like showcased this incredibly widespread community. And I love that. And I love how honest Jeremy got. And if you guys are are struggling, please reach out because we all struggle, you know, sober using good days, bad days. The struggle always will come back. That's just set in stone. But one of the greatest tools against terrible struggling is lowering the bar You know, lower your expectations and you can have a phenomenal Christmas too. And how about Austin with the fucking built-in IV at home, not thinking about adding anything, any homemade laudanum into the homemade IV at home, dropping his number like Brandon Novak. So if any of you guys wrote down Austin's number, please text him, call him, wish him well, have him send you some Narcan. Merry Christmas, Austin. I hope you uh, recover quickly. And I wanna thank all of you guys out there in the Dopey Nation for uh, making my Christmas so much richer and for making my year so much richer. I wanna thank everybody who did work, especially producer Sam, who's always on the other end of the phone, who's pumped in hours and hours and hours and hours of his life into the Dopey world. So let's put Sam in our hearts for Christmas. And uh, anybody that didn't send in a voicemail for this thing, Send in something for New Year's. Don't be a slacker. And before we go, we can't have a dopey Christmas special without the great David Masculani. So I asked David to record the classic Burroughs poem, A Junky Christmas, and it was such an overwhelmingly emotional and uh, intense long fucking piece I wanted to play the whole thing in its entirety at the end of the show so Merry Christmas Dopey Nation stay strong and fucking toodles for Chris and here he is Dave Mascalani from the land down under doing Burroughs Junkie Christmas
15: The Junkie's Christmas William Burroughs it was Christmas Day and Danny the car wiper hit the street, junk, sick and break after 72 hours in the precinct jail. It was a clear, bright day, but there was a warmth in the sun. Danny shivered with an inner cold. He turned up the collar of his worn, greasy, black overcoat. This beat Benny wouldn't pawn for a juice, he thought. He was in the West 90s, a long block of brownstone rooming houses, Here and there, a holy reef in a clean black window. Danny's senses registered everything sharp and clear with the painful intensity of junk sickness. The light hurt his dilated eyes. He walked past the car, darting his pale blue eyes sideways in quick appraisal. There was a package on the seat and one of the ventilator windows was unlocked. Danny walked on ten feet. No one in sight. He snapped his fingers and went through a pantomime of remembering something and wheeled around, no one. A bad setup, he decided, the street being empty like this. I stand out, conspicuous. Gotta make it fast. He reached out for the ventilator window. A door opened behind him. Danny whipped out a rag and began polishing the car windows. He could feel the man standing behind him. What are you doing? Danny turned as if surprised. Just thought your car window needed some polishing, mister. The man had a frog face and a deep South accent. He was wearing a camel's hair overcoat. My car don't need no polishing, or nothing stole out of it, neither. Danny slid sideways as the man grabbed for him. I wasn't looking to steal nothing, mister. I'm from the south too, Florida. Goddamn sneaking thief. Danny walked away fast and turned a corner. Better get out of the neighbourhood. That hick's likely to call the law. He walked 15 blocks. Sweat ran down his body. There was an ache in his lungs. His lips drew back off his yellow teeth in a snarl of desperation. i got a score somehow if I had some decent clothes. Danny saw a suitcase standing in the doorway. Good leather. He stopped and pretended to look for a cigarette. Funny, he thought. No one around. Inside, maybe. Fanning for a cab. The corner was only a few houses. Danny took a deep breath and picked up the suitcase... He made the corner another block, another corner. The case was heavy. I got a score here all night, he thought. Maybe enough for a sixteenth in a room. Danny shivered and twitched, feeling a warm room and heroin emptying into his vein. Let's have a quick look. He opened the suitcase. Two long packages in brown wrapping paper. He took one out. It felt like meat. He tore the package open and at one end, revealing a woman's naked foot. The toenails were painted with purple-red polish. He dropped the leg with a sneer of disgust. Holy Jesus, he exclaimed. The routines people put down these days. Legs? Well, i got a case anyway. He dumped the other leg out. No bloodstains. He snapped the case shut and walked away. Legs, he muttered. He found the buyer sitting at a table in Jarrow's cafeteria. Though you might be taking the day off. I thought you might be taking the day off, Danny said, putting the case down. The buyer shook his head sadly. I got nobody, so what's Christmas to me? His eyes travelled over the case, poking, testing, looking for flaws. What's in it? Nothing. What's the matter? I don't pay enough. I tell you, there was nothing in it. Okay, so somebody travels with an empty suitcase. Okay, he held up three fingers. For Christ's sake, Gimpy, give me a nickel. You got somebody else? Why don't? Why doesn't he give you a nickel? It's it's like I say, the case was empty. Gimpy kicked at the case despairingly. It all nicked up. It's all nicked up and kind of dirty looking. He sniffed suspiciously. How come it stinks like that? Mexican leather. So, am I in the leather business? Gimpy shrugged. Could be. He rolled out the, He He pulled out a roll of bills and peeled them off three. Three and peeled off three ones, dropping them on the table behind the napkin dispenser. You want? Okay Danny picked up the mo- okay, Danny picked up the money. you see George the Greek he asked, where have you been? He got busted two days ago. Oh, that's bad. Danny walked out now, where can I score? He thought George the Greek had lasted so long. Danny thought of him as permanent. It was good h 2 and no shortcuts. Danny went up to one hundred and third and Broadway. Nobody, injures, nobody in Jarrow's the, nobody in the automat yeah he snarled all the pushers off on the nod someplace what they care about anybody else so long as they get in the vein what they care about a sick a sick junkie he wiped his nose with one finger looking around furtively no use sitting these jigs in ha- no no you sitting those jigs in Harlem like it's not like a Like as not to get beat for my money, or they slip me a rat poison, might find Pantapon raised at 8th and 23rd. There was no one he knew in the 23rd Street Thompsons. Jesus, he thought. Where is everybody? He clutched his coat collar together with one hand, looking up and down the street. There, Joey. There's Joey from Brooklyn. I know that. Hat anywhere. Joey was walking away with his back to Danny. He turned around. His, f- his face was sunken, skull-like. The grey eyes glittered un- under a greasy thought hat. Joey was sniffing at-, at regular intervals and his eyes were watering. No use asking him, Danny thought. They looked at each other with the hatred of disappointment. Guess you heard about George the Greek, Danny said. Yeah, I heard. You've been up to 103rd? Yeah, just came from there. Nobody around. Nobody, Nobody around any place, Joey said. I can't even score for goofballs. Well, Merry Christmas, Joey. See you. Yeah, see you. Danny was walking fast. He had remembered a croaker on 18th Street. Of course, the croaker had told him not to come back. Still, it was worth trying. A brownstone house with a card in the window. P. H. Juninger, M. D. Danny rang the bell. He had heard slow steps. The door opened and the doctor looked at Danny with bloodshot brown eyes. He was weaving slightly and supported his plump body against a jamb. His face was smooth, Latin the red mouth slack. He said nothing, he just leaned there looking at Danny. God damn, alcoholic! Danny fought. He smiled. Merry Christmas, Doctor. The doctor did not reply. You remember me, Doctor? Doctor tried. Danny tried to edge past the doctor into the cows. I'm sorry to trouble you on Christmas Day, but I've suffered. I've suffered another attack. Attack? Yes. Facial neuralgia. Danny twisted one side of his face into a horrible grimace. The doctor recoiled slightly and Danny pushed into the dark hallway. Better shut the door or you'll be catching cold, he said jovily, shoving the door shut. The doctor looked at him, his eyes focused visibly. I can't give you a prescription, he said. But doctor, this is a legitimate condition, an emergency, you understand? No prescription, impossible, it's against the law. You took an oath, doctor. I'm in agony. Danny's voice shot up in a hysterical grating whine. The doctor winced and passed a hand over his forehead. Let me think. I can give you one quarter grain tablet. That's all I have in the house. But doctor, a quarter, gee? The doctor stopped him. If your condition is legitimate, you will not need more. If it isn't, I don't want anything to do with you, wait right here. The doctor weaved down the hall, leaving a wake of alcoholic breath. He came back and dropped the trailer into Danny's hand. Danny wrapped the tablet in a piece of paper and tucked it away. There's no charge. The doctor put his hand on the doorknob. And now, my dear, but doctor, can't you object to the medication? No, you will obtain longer relief in using it orally, please not to return. The doctor opened the door. Well, well, this will take the edge off, and I, and I still have some money to put down on a room. Danny thought. He knew our drugstore that sold needles without question. He bought a twenty-six gauge insulin needle and eyedropper, dropper, which he selected carefully. Rejecting models with curve with a curve dropper or a thick end. Finally he bought a baby pacifier to use instead of the bulb. He stopped in the automat and stole a teaspoon. Danny put down two dollars on a six dollar a week room in the West 40s, where he knew the landlord. He bolted the door and put his spoon, needle and dropper on a table by the bed. He dropped the tablet in the spoon and covered it with a dropper full of water. He held a match under the spoon until the tablet dissolved. He tore a strip of paper, wet it and wrapped it around the end of the dropper fitting the needle over the wet paper to make an airtight connection. He dropped a piece of lint from his pocket into the spoon and sucked the liquid into the dropper through the needle, holding the needle in the lint to take up the last drop. Danny's hands trembled with excitement, and his breath was quick. With a shot in front of him, his defences gave way and junk sickness floated his, round his body. His legs began to twitch and ache. A cramp stirred in his stomach. Tears ran down his face from, from his smarting, burning eyes. He wrapped a handkerchief around his right arm, holding the end in his teeth. He tucked the handkerchief in and began rubbing his arm to bring out a vein. Guess I can hit that one, he thought, running one finger along a vein. He picked up the dropper in his left hand. Danny heard a groan from the next room. He frowned with annoyance. Another groan. He could not help listening. He walked around the room, the dropper in his hand, and, and... Inclined his ear to the wall, the grains were coming at a re- at a regular intervals. A horrible, inhuman sound pushed out from the stomach. Danny listened for a minute. He returned to the bed and sat down. Why don't someone call a doctor? He thought indignantly. It's a bring down. He straightened his arm and poised the needle. He. Till it his head away, listening again Oh for the oh for Christ's sake. He tore off the handkerchief and placed a dropper in a, in a water glass which he hid behind the wastebasket. He stopped into the hall and knocked out the door of the next room. There was no answer. The groans continued continued. Danny tried the door. it was open. The shade was up and the room was full of light. He had expected an old person somehow, but the man on the bed was very young, 18 or 20, fully clothed and doubled up, with his hands clasped around his stomach. What's wrong, kid? Danny asked. The boy looked at him, his his eyes blank with pain. Finally he got one word, kidneys. Kidney stones? Danny smiled. I don't mean it's funny, kid. It's just I've faked it, it so many times. Never saw the real thing before. I'll call an ambulance. The boy bit his lip. Won't come. Doctors won't come. The boy hid his face in the pillow. Danny nodded. They figured it just. It, they figured it's just another junkie throwing a wing ding for a shot. But your case is legit. Maybe if I went to that hospital and went to the hospital and explained things, no, I guess that wouldn't be so good. Don't live here, the boy said, his voice muffled. They say I'm not entitled. Yeah I know that how they are. The bureaucrat bastards. I had a friend once died of snake bite right in the waiting room. They wouldn't even listen when he tried to explain that, snake, that a snake had bitten him. He, had nev- he never had enough moxie. That was 15 years ago down in Jacksonville. Danny trolled off. Suddenly, he put out his thin, dirty hand and touched the boy's shoulder. I'm sorry, kid, you wait. I'll fix you up. He went back to the room and got the dropper and returned to the boy's room. Roll up your sleeve, kid. The boy tumbled his coat sleeve with a weak hand. That's okay, I'll get it. Danny undid the shirt button at his wrist and pushed the shirt and coat up, bearing a thin brown forearm. Danny hesitated, looking at the dropper. Sweat ran down his nose. The boy was looking at him. Danny shoved a needle in the boy's forearm and watched the liquid drain into the flesh. He straightened up. The boy lay down, stretching. I feel real sleepy. Didn't sleep all last night. His eyes were closing. Danny walked around the room and pulled the shade down. He went back into his room and closed the door without locking it. He sat on the bed looking at the empty dropper. It was getting dark outside. Danny's body ached for junk. Danny's body ached for junk, but it was a dull ache now, dull and hopeless. Numbly he took the needle of the dropper and wrapped it in in a piece of paper, then he wrapped the needle and the dropper together. He sat there with the package in his hand. Got stash to stash this someplace. He thought. Suddenly, a warm flood pulse pulsed through his veins and broke out in his head like a thousand golden speed balls, For Christ's sake, Danny thought. I must have scored for the. I must have scored for the immaculate fix. the vegetable serenity serenity of junk settling in his tissues. His face went slack and peaceful, and his head fell forward. Danny, the car wiper, was on the nod.
1: I want to take a walk around wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad I want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch those airplanes airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear Jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people What it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good So bad so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time noon where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road, however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good, so bad I want to be good, so bad, so bad I want to be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had and it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.
0: And it's all I ever had.